This is Geeks and Jacks. Welcome back to Geeks and Jocks episode 125, recording October 19th, 2022. This is Ryan Sullivan, glad to have you here. Before getting into this episode, this podcast is on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jocks, plenty of content awaits. What are we talking about today? Definitely got some game-related stuff to talk about. Talk about the playoffs for baseball and some other sports-related stuff. And, as usual, how movies are faring now uh, at the box office. And let's let's get to it. Let's start with the uh, sports because, boy, do we have a doozy for baseball. San Diego and Philadelphia in the League Championship Series. For the National League. Anything can happen in October. And we've probably seen. I would say. The Cinderella stories. As some of these websites are. Are mentioning. Philadelphia. Beating Atlanta in four games. San Diego. Beating the LA Dodgers. Believe that was in four games as well. Getting hot at the right time, and, and I think that's what's helped Philadelphia quite a bit. You know, getting their guys to be be there at the right time. Bryce Harper and some of these other batters hitting when it's appropriate in the pitching. We get Aaron Nola there, Zach Wheeler, who had a big game yesterday, seven innings, one hit against San Diego. This team could be a favorite to be in the World Series. They haven't been to one since 09. The Padres haven't been to one since 98. Regardless, one of them is going to be facing the Yankees, who they have defeated, uh, both of them, Phillies and probably a couple times in the past, the latest being in 09, which is the last Yankee championship, and 98, where the Yankees swept uh, San Diego. I believe they swept them in San Diego to win their then 24th title. It's getting hot at the right time. The bats showing up when they needed to. The pitching stepping up. Lights getting brighter, and things for these guys, they just, they're unfazed by it. Pretty good. Although, I think with this Yankee Astro thing happening yet again, the third time in six seasons, will there be controversy? Because there were some for 2017 with the garbage can stuff, and obviously with uh, the whole buzzer thing and whatnot, and that one guy that was with Jeff Lunau that pretty much stirred the whole controversy into the whole cheating scandal and pretty much cost Lunau his job, A.J. Hinch his job, and several others, big fines and all these other controversial things. 
Now the question is three times the charm. There's also six times the charm with Houston. The fact that they've been to the championship series six straight years. It'll be interesting, but I think as it stands right now, Houston probably has the edge a little bit on rest. Though, whether that's a blessing and not a curse, we'll have to see because definitely a curse on the Dodgers and the Braves being eliminated and all. (laughs) You also got NHL season beginning and the NBA season just begun. So it's going to be fun seeing uh, all four sports being played. And that certainly will be a lot of fun to to have seeing a football game one day, then some basketball, then a hockey matchup, and then watching some baseball playoffs. October is always a time to to be excited because you get the best like like five, six sports at once. Isn't that cool? <laughs> uh, NASCAR just had their race uh, recently, and I believe it was in Vegas. And a pretty good win there for Joey Logano, who punches his ticket into the, the, the final round of the playoffs for that championship race in... Uh, Less than three weeks. But the big thing going on is definitely the big thing with Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace. I had a look at it today for the first time. And I seen the shoving uh, that Wallace was giving uh, Larson. And saw a look at the incident that occurred that led to the big crash between those two and collecting uh, Christopher Bell, whose season might be over unless he wins this week or next week. If Larson touched Bubba, it might have been just like a small rub. And if you've heard of the movie Days of Thunder, the line from Robert Duvall is Robinson is racing. If there was a pinch, I mean, sure, maybe, but it wasn't as if Larson was being intentional. It's hard to tell whether he touched or not. If he did, like I said, it was maybe just a small rub, and Bubba wanted to vent out his frustration because it has not been a good season. Overhyped, as a whole, and the season has been hugely disappointing for 23XL Racing. And by the way, this is not some small group either. This is in conjunction with Denny Hamlin, with uh, Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing, and you got NBA legend Michael Jordan funding for it too. It's not as if the team is struggling at times. They've found ways to get into the top five. Some circumstances they went, they get second place. Sometimes they get fallen behind or they get wrecked. And it, the, he does have a win this year, Wallace. But 
it, it came after the playoffs began. Larson's already eliminated from the playoffs, so that it's not going to make a huge difference. But still, you're competing for owner owner points and probably manufacturer points, if I had to guess too. But the retaliation going into Larson's rear bumper, I mean, and then to go shoving. Uh, Larson, I mean, what are you doing at that point? There hasn't been a retaliation suspension in seven years when Matt Kenseth intentionally wrecked uh, Joey Logano for retaliation. I think it might have been something for like, it was either for like a race that happened earlier during the playoffs or it was during that race at Martinsville. I forget. But NASCAR parked him, Kenza, for for two races. And the one race punishment, I think, fits what happened. Although I do think it could have been two races because it, it was a dangerous part of the track. And the fact that Bell's season is over, granted they're not teammates, but they're part of the same same cloth of being Toyota cars and probably Joe Gibbs funding for the equipment. It, it it makes it makes Wallace look like a jackass. I mean, even if you take away all of the political and other things that has been a part of Bubba's career. I mean I mean, I know there's issues with rivalries with drivers. I mean, if they wreck, they wreck. But to do it intentionally... Ugh. Especially with the concussion issue going on over the last couple of months. I don't think Kurt Busch has raced at all since the summer. And obviously, Larson knows the issue with Alex Bowman being out with with concussion issues. Imagine if something dangerous happened to either of them or Bell. What happens if someone got hurt? What happens? Someone's going to get hurt real badly. Their career could be over, and that's something that was echoed by Logano when talked about the about the wreck. I think, uh, yeah, here it is. This is from ESPN, by the way. If he spun him into the to the infield, maybe it's a little better. But right rear hooking someone in the dog leg is not okay. I don't know if everyone realizes how bad this could have been. A rattle, Joey Logano said Tuesday on Sirius XM NASCAR radio a few hours before the suspension announcement. That could have been the end of Kyle Larson's career. That, to me, was what was on the line, or his life. This is that That is the worst spot to get right rear hooked into a corner. I mean, he ain't wrong. I mean, July, July 6th for Xfinity, Noah Gregson, right rear someone, sent him spinning 13, 13 cars collected. 
Ooh, man, he pissed off Dale Jr. If Gragson was fi- fined 30000 and docked 30 points. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jr.'s had s- some incidents where he's been the victim and hasn't been the victim, but damn. Yeah, William Byron last month for spinning Denny Hamlin. 50,025 points. Yeah. I'm just, you can't, you can't explain the words how dangerous it is. You know, I mean, the shoving certainly didn't help. I mean, it it, 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 it bottled up. And it, it came at probably the worst time. I'm sure he won't apologize to a lot regarding it, but he's going to be looked under a microscope for the rest of the season for... You know the 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 final two races of the season, and maybe even next year. I mean, it's going to be looked at because so far, Bubba Wallace has been a mediocre driver. He's shown some flashes of success, but hasn't materialized into the driver that I think some people want him to be especially with all the social media stuff, social justice, and all this other crap. I mean, he's not a face of NASCAR in the same way that Chase Elliott is, or Kyle Busch, or some of these other long-term drivers, such as Kevin Harvick. But if he wants to show that he can be a face of NASCAR. He can't have outbursts on his pit crew. He can't find himself bottled up in certain situations. And and most especially with that incident, not lose your cool at the worst possible moment. I mean, there's been drivers that have been punished for less. Case in point, back in 2010, when Carl Edwards retaliated against Brad Keselowski and he wound up with a three-race probation. I'm not sure if Edwards at the time had anything that retaliating, but that crash at Atlanta in 2010, I think, was really bad. How that didn't get a race suspension or two... For Edwards, I don't know. Alright, let's get into the NFL. So we had a Thursday game that pretty much... Another disappointing one. Let's just get that out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. 12-7. to 7. The bright spot of a 12 to 7 win for Washington over Chicago was the fact that Brian Robinson scored the go ahead touchdown. This was a guy that was shot a couple months back 
and there was questions on whether or not he'd be able to play. But he did. And he wound up being the hero. Bad mistakes offensively for the Bears. Special teams was disappointing. Uh, 17 carries for 60 yards. That's not that's not good for Robinson, but the touchdown certainly helps. See if he caught anything. Nope. And Carson Wentz going to be out for a while because he had an issue with his thumb. And it spoils what was a good game somewhat for the Bears. I mean, they ran the ball fairly well. Uh, Carson, not Carson, Justin Fields threw for 190, one score. Interception certainly wasn't good. But there's some flashes of success, but it, it just needs to come together at the right time. Both teams are 2-4 uh, and four for the year. Now, if you want an upset, Baltimore losing to the New York Giants. 10-point lead, third time they've given up their lead in double-digit figures. Giants have won after overcoming three 10-point deficits or more. They spoiled what was a pretty good Kenyon Drake game, and Jackson actually ran the ball pretty decently. Mark Andrews was pretty good. But the running of Saquon Barkley, making the right plays on defense... That's why the Giants are now 5-1, and one, while the Ravens sit, I believe, at 3-3 three and three for the year. No one in the North looks good for the uh, AFC. Colts were able to put in quite a good comeback, beating uh, Jacksonville 34-27. to 27. Doing a lot of things right, Trevor Lawrence, but not enough. Matt Ryan threw for nearly 403 scores with running backs hurt, relying on some small-tiered guys, including Philip Lindsay. Well, never mind that this Jackson guy, Deion Jackson. I was thinking with the running stats, it looked pretty bad, but nope. Um, Receiving-wise, he did pretty well. It's almost like one of the bigger strengths in recent years, throwing to the running backs. That was always like a big thing with uh, Matt Ryan, especially when he had Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in Atlanta. 10 for 79, Deion Jackson, as far as uh, receiving goes. That's actually really good. Patriots, are they for real? Oh, before I forget, 2-4 Jaguars, 3-2-1 Colts. 38 to 15, 3 and 3 Pats and the Browns are down to 2 and 4. This Zap guy, whoo-wee! He's showing some poise. 309, two scores. The Stevenson guy running his heart out, 76 yards with two scores. Some equal spreading all around for the receivers. Even the Stevenson guy has got four catches for that game. They actually found a way to stop uh, Nick Chubb. And Jacoby Brissett, despite the yards, didn't look all that great. 
They couldn't do anything despite some sacks to stop uh, to stop New England. Joe Burrow. Anybody loves that Louisiana cuisine because he had himself a really good game. 300 yards, exactly three scores. He even ran one in two to beat uh, to beat New Orleans. Andy Dalton, eh, he's had better days. The running game was clicking with Alvin Kamara. The Taysom Hill stuff, yeah. Nowhere seen like it was uh, last week. Or was it two weeks ago? Bengals, 3-3 three and three now for the year. Saints, 2-4. and four. Pittsburgh getting a win against Tampa. This is with Tom Brady not having an ideal game. Leonard Fournette just not running well. Although he was the touchdown guy, six catches for 38. No one else really did much. Although Cameron Brate did get hurt in that game. He had to be carried off in a stretcher. Kenny Pickett got hurt. So Trubisky came back in. Got them to go ahead. Touchdown. The run game. Just not as good. 2-4 and four now for the year. Pittsburgh. Tampa. 3-3. Three and three. Now. Next two games are going to be definite upsets. Atlanta beating San Francisco. Stifling. The defense, with their offensive prowess, only one incompletion out of Marcus Mariota. Their running wasn't all that great, but they did rush for over 150 yards. Mariota threw two touchdowns, ran for one. The defense picking off Jimmy Garoppolo a few times, stopping Jeff Wilson. Brandon Ayuk, breakout game. This this season, and him and Kittle with eight catches each for 83 yards, crazy. Even Debo Samuel had a good game. Now, if you want another upset, Jets and Packers. Oh, before I forget, San Fran and Atlanta are three and three, and they were playing in those uh, red Falcon helmets. I actually like the black helmet with the logo that they had from, I think it was like 90 through 02. I like that one. That to me is vintage Falcons. Um, Jets 27 to 10. 4-2 for the year. You ain't seen that type of excitement in the Big Apple. 4-2 while the Packers sit at 3-3 consecutive losses for the first time in Matt LaFleur's coaching tenure. Wilson didn't do much uh, for the Jets, but that run game of Hall, mm -mm, 116 and a score, whipping up some good cheese for the pack, slicing that defense, blocked field goal as well. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers was okay, but 246 and a score. 
big play coming from Alan Lazard. Although the defense did its share at times, you wonder if the Packers are going to be that team that struggles to make it to the wild card spot in the playoffs or they just don't make it at all. And this is coming as Minnesota just won another game, 5-1 and one for the year against Miami. Who? <laughs> they went back to Bridgewater. Thompson, with I think he got hurt. So they brought Bridgewater back in. And Bridgewater threw pretty well combined. Both of them threw together for over 400 yards. Two touchdowns, two picks, though, for Bridgewater. Run game was not where it was. Tyreek Hill with another good game. Jalen Waddell, pretty good. Mike Isicki being the guy with the touchdowns. You know, it's hard to tell whether this team will even be a playoff team or not, Miami. After starting 3-0 and and... I mean, Minnesota's still a good team. Can it click at the right time? 175 yards for uh, Kirk Cousins. And Dalvin Cook ran the ball decently and got a touchdown out of it, too. And things just keep getting worse for the Panthers. One in five Panthers lose to the Rams, who are now 3-3 three and three for the year. This is how bad the passing was for Carolina. Two quarterbacks combined for 119 yards. And one interception. Christian McCaffrey was pretty much their offense the entire game. 69 yards rushing, 89 yards receiving. And pretty bad when Robbie Anderson got into an argument with Steve Wilkes mid-game. And, well, he's not there anymore. He's with the Cardinals. You hope he can help... (sighs) Kyler Murray, but that's that's easier said than done. Rams getting into a groove a little bit with their game. Still not good, though, with Matthew Stafford going 253, one touchdown, one pick. The running game still being garbage as usual. No Cam Akers due to what was called a personal issue. Don't know what that means, but maybe there's something mentally wrong with him right now. Maybe he just needs time to clear his head. to 19-9 Seahawks win against uh, Arizona. Arizona falling to 2-4, 3-3 Seahawks. Murray did not look all that good. And outside of him running the ball, the run game was crap. The uh, Seahawks are playing surprisingly well. They're doing, I think, better than others expected. And the defense is pulling their own weight pretty well. Six sacks. Pete Carroll's actually doing better than I think anyone expected. Geno Smith, not a, not a great game, but no interceptions thrown. Threw for 197. No scores, though. Kenneth Walker. I believe that's his name. 
Yeah, Kenneth Walker uh, ran for 97 yards and a score. So he's the next guy up for Rashad Penny's season being over. Then we go to... uh, Come on. Kansas City, where Buffalo... Josh Allen. Revenge. 329, three scores. They ran the ball well with Singletary. They got to keep doing that if they are comfortable with giving him the ball. Of course, the defense putting in its effort against Kansas City. 4 and 2 now for the year. The Chiefs. Bills have the best record in the AFC right now. Costly interceptions, and the run game wasn't there. Spoils an otherwise decent game out of out of Mahomes. Juju Smith-Schuster break, breaks through. Travis Kelsey still the dominant tight end as usual. Championship round could happen again, or at least divisional round. Sunday night game, Cooper Rush. He rushed himself to an easy defeat. Bad game for Dallas as they are 4-2 for now. And Philadelphia 6-0 and now for the season. They ran the ball well with Ezekiel Elliott, but you got to give him more than 13 carries. Some Ferguson guy got it. The only touchdown thrown from from Coop. Threw for less than 50%. Hurts didn't exactly have himself a good game either, but he threw two scores, played cleanly. And uh, Miles Sanders had himself a good game too. Both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith find themselves in the end zone. NFC East is enjoying a pretty good year so far. 6-0 Eagles, 5-1 Giants, 4-2 Cowboys. We haven't seen the division be that good in a long time. And another primetime game and another disappointing overtime loss. Denver. What happened? What happened to the Russell everyone knew? Threw for 188 in one score. Uh, Broncos fall to 2-4 and four for the year. Latavius Murray did well in his first game. I don't know what's going on with the rest of the group, but there might be questions as to whether Melvin Gordon is going to be the true starter or not. Justin Herbert had himself a decent game. Uh, as far as completions go, but 238 in a pick. Your only touchdown coming from Austin Eckler, rushing for 36 in the score. 10 catches for 47. Just not a good game, but the Chargers find themselves in a good spot, being 4 and 2 for the year. There's a lot of questions into whether or not Russell Wilson if his heart's in the right place to keep playing football. You know? Hmm. But, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I hope it ain't, like, real regression, but... I don't know. Box office mojo, 
we go to the movies. And the movie that was going to make gangbusters regardless, Halloween ends. So... Yeah, I mean, 40 plus million. If this really is the last one, I mean, at least it ended decently. One of the best openings in about about almost three months. Yeah. 159, impacted by, yeah. Nope. It couldn't even against uh, Halloween Kills 49 million but audiences yeah audiences are not impressed hmm. should do I would think it would do decently it certainly doesn't help that it, that it got put on Peacock Budget did pretty well. So, yeah. It's going to be successful no matter what. Uh, Smile. Number two at the box office. After being number one for the for two weeks. $12 million altogether. It's made $71 million here. $72 mil. Nearly $140 million as of today. Or at least according to the numbers as late as Monday. Uh, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, number three, making just over $7 million And not doing all that great internationally either, altogether, $27 million. At least it won't be a massive flop, so that's a, that's a good thing. The Woman King... Number four at three point seven million, as it stands right now, is just made sixty million domestically, and seventy six million altogether. Number five, Amsterdam, that big flop from David Russell, is only made eleven million. Gonna go down as a huge flop, massive flop. 18 million altogether right now. You'll be lucky to even reach 30% of its budget, which was at, I believe, 80 million and probably much more uh, going to be lost due to that and the marketing for it. Those are like heavily advertised. No, it's not. 2.7 million over the weekend. 2.2 million for number six is Don't Worry, Darling. So this movie. Certainly flopping. I mean, it's the case of, hey, it's great for that first weekend, and then forty-two million domestically right now, thirty-five internationally. I wonder if people have any faith in Olivia Wilde or Harry Styles. All things considered. Uh. Barbarian number seven at one point three million is probably reached 
thirty yep, thirty nine million domestically and forty million worldwide. This is definitely gonna get some good enjoyment via D V D and streaming. No doubt. Uh then the last movie to hit uh a million, Terrifier two at number eight. Some horror movie that's only made two and a half million, <laughs> just about ninety five percent, ninety seven percent of it being uh, domestically. Is this a small film? Only seven hundred theaters, so I don't know whether this will get a wide release or not. But dipping out of a billion dot, not billion, a million dollars. Uh, bros at number nine, $900,000, a little more, a little more than that, but still made almost 11 million. See how many theaters dropped it. Oh, it dropped 1,100 theaters, so you know that's, that's not a good sign. Top Gun Maverick at number 10. Made over six hundred thousand, nearly seven hundred thousand. So this movie's still kicking somewhat. It's made over seven hundred fifteen million. Actually, on one of the side notes that I'll bring up uh, briefly, Jurassic World uh, Dominion made over a billion. So being the second film along with Top Gun to to reach that number. Pretty good. Like, like really good. Like, really, really good. See what else is coming out on the horizon. As we venture more into the wide releases. Ticket to Paradise, which is that George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie. Doing pretty decent internationally. Then you got Black Adam, which is the comic book movie with with The Rock. And then you got Need for Speed, No Limits. You know, new movie for the series in over eight years. Almost nine years, quite frankly. I'm going to look at some of these movies that are limited. Let's see what Paul's promise is. Inspiring movie of Paul Holderfield, bigoted firefighter turned pastor. Is that Larry Frischburn? No, it doesn't look like him. Who started one of the first integrated churches in the American South? Hmm. I thought it looked like, like someone I thought. Eh. Interesting. See how politically it is. The return of Tanya Tucker featuring Brandy Carlisle. Music film. Don't know who Tanya Tucker is or if that's even a real person. Sorry if I just I'm not a I'm not a country music person. Although it was disappointing to hear about Although, sad. I should be more sad. sad to see Loretta Lynn passed away last week. 
Coal Miner's Daughter, one of the bigger movies of the 80s. After Sun, let's see what this movie is. Looks like a drama. Looks like one of those type of movies that... Like intense drama to figure out the pieces of a of a family, you know, or at least the person that you thought was, you know, the Banshees of In In the Sharon. Looks like a looks like it might be a romantic drama, or maybe just a drama altogether. Some movie called Unknown Title. <laughs> uh, there's no nothing for Remini. The death of his mother brings Richie Bravo back from his adopted home in Italy to his teenage bedroom in Lower Austria, where Charlton Heston is still flexing his biceps in Winnetou. Is is this supposed to be like a fantasy movie or something, or like a flashback type of film? <laughs> Hard to know. <laughs> um. One movie coming out on the twenty eighth. That's a wide release, and it's a uh, and it's a horror movie. Pray for the devil. P R E Y. Yeah, it's exorcism type crap. You got a bunch of limited films. One movie called Tar. Okay, it's a musical type thing. Is that for real? It's like only in four theaters. Just for a brief second, I swear I thought it said, thought it was like Blanchett. Yep, Kate Blanchett. Weird. Hmm. We want, we're just going to take a brief look because let's look at some of these other just take a brief look because I know there were some smaller films that were that were coming out and just curious to see about some of these other films that actually uh, 36 actually 30 36 theaters now for that tar movie through focus features focus features does a lot of small films they work endlessly to get like they're the type of people that will go out of their way to find original stuff movies that may not necessarily fit with the mainstream and look at some other stuff to make sure that their movies uh, do well So as far as TV goes, or at least anything internet goes, this is something that I think was coming a mile away. And I'm sure it'll be interesting to see if they get paid or not. But over in Connecticut, a judge ordered InfoWars guy Alex Jones to pay million to the families of the victims of the 
Sandy Hook shooting that occurred in 2012. This was coming a mile away. I mean, he was going to pay something hefty, but to pay nearly a billion dollars, I have a feeling it's that type of thing where this guy was going to go bankrupt no matter what. And the type of stuff that occurs to these families, you know, it's not going to bring back their kids. But they they don't need to suffer with all the crap that they have to deal with from Jones and anybody that that says anything to their face. No one wants to lose a child, especially if it's a five-year-old. No one wants to see that. There really isn't much I can really talk about with, with television. There just really isn't anything that, that catches my eye outside of the fact that uh, no Charlie Brown. With Apple TV having the rights to the Charlie Brown specials, it'll certainly feel difficult for some to to not watch it. But here's the thing. They're actually going to allow it for free. I believe it's for about two, three days. Not like it's going to matter or anything because... The Charlie Brown specials, they only air, what, once? Lucky if it's even twice. They'll they'll air it once on ABC, like, right around Halloween, like a day or two before, if not the actual day. They'll air the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, I believe. And obviously, for the holidays, they might air the Christmas one uh, once or twice. I don't think it's a huge loss, but it is at the same time because, I mean, Charlie Brown is an American institution. You know, it's that type of innocent kid nature of Charlie Brown and the company. You know, whether it's Linus, Lucy, Snoopy, Pigpen, uh, Peppermint Patty... It's it's a it's a it it's a it's a good series of characters. I'm kind of stunned they haven't tried doing any other like movies or anything since that Peanuts movie uh, almost seven years ago. But it, it it will be free on Apple TV for for non subscribers. So it's just you just gotta look at when it will be free. I don't think people are gonna be hurting too much, but it definitely is devastating. So lastly, the gaming. You talk about a absolute shit show. I'll tell you what, this voice acting thing going on with with Bayonetta three. I don't know how you put it into a logical conclusion. But supposedly, and I'm sure more information will be out after this podcast gets uploaded, but the story along the line is 
the voice actress for the series who plays the title character, Helena Taylor, alleged that she was only getting paid $4,000 to do a voice session for Bayonetta 3. And supposedly nothing went through with it, and they get Platinum Games, the developer of the game, decided to get a bigger professional voice actress to do the role. And once the story came out, a lot of people vented their frustrations towards Hideki Kamiya, who was one of the big name people at at Platinum and just to point this out uh, this guy is a xenophobic person and th- I mean a Japanese guy being xenophobic towards anyone that isn't Japanese and blocked a lot of people then he got busted for for blocking so many then he deleted his Twitter account then he brought it back just not a good situation and then people digging up for information about the whole thing and supposedly it was supposed to be allegedly five sessions with three to four thousand dollars a session so if you put that into basic math you're looking at after five sessions the supposed money being fifteen thousand to twenty thousand dollars which that's not as bad as what Taylor was saying, but that's still not a lot of money. Especially if you live in a place like California, where that might be something that you can only last on for, I don't know, three, four months. With high taxes and inflation and all this other stuff going on in that country, uh, state. My apologies on that. <laughs> um it makes Taylor look really bad when she, she tried to make it sound worse than than what was dug up. But it doesn't make Platinum and, to a lesser extent, uh, Nintendo look good either. I mean, lowballing someone for fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to come back and reprise the role that they've done since 09 are you serious just i don't i don't see the issue and maybe i'm not saying give her $200,000 and call it a day but at least up it to maybe 50,000 i know there's been issues with voice acting payroll issues some people not getting what they think is proper money like, like I was reading something about um, the guy that played Nico Bellic for GTA 4. Yeah, this was something that I heard about. 15 months playing Nico Bellic. 100,000. I mean, $100,000, that's... That's pretty good pay, but at the same time, this was all. This was for not just the voice acting, but motion capture to play the character. Um, the, Mike Hollick, I think his name is. 
yeah, Michael Hollick, um, he basically 50 months played the role of Nico Bellic. And as early as May of 08, so less than a month after the game came out, you know, $100,000. I mean, you you got to be kidding me. I mean, GTA is one of the biggest franchises, and you know that game is going to do so well because it's going to be on newer generation hardware and people are going to be hyped up for that release. You know it's going to do gangbusters. And it did. GTA 5, within the first 24 hours, I think... I'll, I want to look up how much GTA 5 made when that came out in 2013. I want to look that up. GTA 5, 24 hours, 24 hour sales within 11 million copies within 24 hours. Like the fastest to to a billion dollars too within that first month too. 11 million copies in 24 hours and that's across both the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. Keep that in mind. There was no PS4 on the horizon for release of that game yet since the system hadn't come out yet. Same with the Xbox One and obviously the PC version wouldn't come out until early 2015. And not to mention the PS5 and Xbox Series versions of the game too. I'm sure they could have made I'm sure they could have given the guy I would have bumped it up to maybe 150,000 maybe 200,000 I mean especially if you're doing this stuff over a 15 years not 15 year 15 month span of doing this role make I mean, give give the guy a little compensation or give him give him some fees or royalties for the sales for the game because it was obviously going to be a huge hit no matter what on PC, PS3, 360. It was going to be a hit no matter what. But back to the whole thing. It doesn't make Platinum look good for the whole Bayonetta thing. And it doesn't make Helena Taylor look good either with the way she acted. If I'm Platinum and Nintendo, I'm saying something to Kamiya or Kamiya or however you say his last name. Because the antics got to stop. The antics have got to stop to where, sure, you don't want people asking you dumb questions, but you're a public face and one of the top guys for your company. Eventually, that that shtick is not going to amuse anyone, and it could hurt the company really badly. Speaking of being hurt really badly, G4 TV... Gone. Completely gone. Shut down a few days ago, and... Yeah. It was... Not gonna survive. Yeah, less than a year after relaunch. (laughs) Averaging a thousand viewers... Oh no! (laughs) 
God, did they think everyone was going to come back to it? So this launched, what, earlier this year? Comcast shut it down. And, yeah, first announced in July 2020. Seven years of being shut down. Yeah, 2013. Began in 2002. Yeah. It was focusing on gaming. I remember it was a lot of focus on the gaming stuff. And then it changed into like a basic cable channel with like a bunch of cops reruns and uh, Campus PD cheaters and all this movies and all these other things that made it just a basic cable channel. Uh. Mm hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy, indeed. And yeah, I mean it 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 came at a time when cable was it, it's it's a fractured concept now. Very fractured. A lot more fractured than where it was in 2013. And you didn't have all these streaming sites, and when it launched in 02, the original channel of it, uh, YouTube would not be around for another three years. Facebook wouldn't be around for another two years, and Twitter in 06. I mean, there was a point to having it, and, it, and some of its controversies aside, um, it was not going to do well. It was it was bound to fail. It was bound to fail completely, and the, it just it, it's like the thing with Quibi. Quibi shut down what last year, and nobody gave a crap for it because what's the point in having it on your phone when I can't watch it on TV or or my laptop or anything of that matter? It did have some big stuff. I mean, there was. Right now, and this is probably the sadder thing, Reno 911's airing on Comedy Central again with new episodes. And it's going to be... I'm curious to see how they do that with uh, their with the Reno stuff because these were seven-minute bits for the show. And Reno did about 24 episodes that were seven minutes each. And I'm sure they're going to combine... Maybe be like a like like how you do for a cartoon, you do you know three you know you do the seven minute bit, cut to commercial, seven minute bit go to one go to commercial and then go to the next bit, and end the show after that. Uh, it, it leaves me a little excited actually to see this uh, Reno stuff because they brought back everybody a couple of years back, everybody. That included Kimball, Johnson, and Garcia, and they also brought back Declan and Rizzo from season six. I'm interested to see how how that worked because you got eleven cops, eleven eleven actors who have all had professions in comedy, whether it's working for a big comedy group. Uh, Troupes and all these other comedy films and shows, big or not. 
but the point being, you know, G4 kind of went the same way as, as Quibi, in a way. And I think the only thing that I've seen out of all this is one of its people just having the craziest of meltdowns. Uh, I'll put his name in. Adam Sessler. This dude has got to be one of the nuttiest people lately. Yeah, we're reading this through Bounding Into Comics. Yeah, um, threatens physical violence following Network's second shutdown. I wonder if this guy was thinking that this was going to do well again. I mean, the guy's been in the gaming industry for a long time. You'd think he would be smart enough to know that why, why do this when I can go to YouTube and do other stuff. So this is this is the opening for it. In a completely adult response to reaping the negative effects of the poisonous rhetoric he sowed, the two-time former G4 host Adam Sessler has responded to the network's second shutdown by lashing out against critics and leveling childish insults against anyone who offers him a modicum of pushback. Late to rest on the 16th, yeah, I mean, it was not going to do well. Wasn't going to. Pretty, pretty obvious. Wished uh, co-workers well in future endeavors. I mean, that's, that's not bad. You say something good, y'all others do well, and yeah. apparently unable to help himself concluded his encouraging goodbye poking the bear that is G4's critics that's how you that's how you don't get a job and to those misguided who need to send vitriol go right ahead I'll keep taking your hits like I have for 20 years I'll still be here just caring about the good people who got jacked what I don't know what that means. Mockery, the wave he would meet with his own childish hissy fit. Yeah. Basically rewriting. Yeah. Your mom jokes. Uh, pretty... Pretty visceral. Pretty visceral shit. Yeah. Really, really, really bad. Yeah. How this guy isn't, like, blacklisted from the industry, I don't know. And this is the sort of stuff that I think gaming needs to avoid this frat boy type mentality from people who who do have a voice for good or for bad and I mean I'd be keeping an eye on anything he does because this is a 49 year old who 
thought he was above any everyone. I'll tell you what, you're you're not part of a network anymore. No one cares about what you say, and your best days were 15 years ago. I mean, this is a guy that wished death on his own family. Wished death on certain family members of his that don't fall in line with his uh, political orientation. And that, to me, is pretty disturbing. Very disturbing, if you, I, I might say. And this is just, this is the same type of guy that you see out of Hollywood and gaming. One of those liberals who who plays plays with fire and fights fire with fire and does the stuff he accuses the other side of doing and some of this other stuff. I I hope the guy doesn't find a job again. This is one guy that should not be part of any part of gaming culture ever again. And, you know what? Hopefully, he, he won't learn a lesson, but... Hopefully he realizes one day that him acting like a 20-year-old college boy doesn't work the same way like it did in 2002. And I'll end this on a decent note and talk about the Sega CD. So, back on Saturday the 15th, Sega CD turned 30 here in the States. Came out in 91 in Japan came out around this time in 92 here in the States, Europe in early 93. So this was an add-on for the Sega Genesis. And it was an add-on that didn't exactly light the world on fire, but it definitely caught people's attention during that time. It was not the first CD system. That would be the add-on for the TurboGrafx-16, the TurboGrafx CD. But that one didn't go anywhere, and it barely got anything over its uh, short period of time. Sega CD ran for about three years. They advertised it pretty heavily during that first year, year and a half. Some small advertisements towards the end of its run with some specific games. Mickey Mania, definitely one of those games that got advertised a little bit, uh, despite also being showcased on the Genesis and Super NES, for example. 150-plus games. It was one of those systems that I think now these days gets a lot more hate because of people online. And I think people who have never experienced a Sega CD in their life. Now, to be fair, some of the games are just Genesis games with better audio but and it wasn't just a bunch of games that relied on full motion video which was one of the reasons why it was heavily advertised you know look at all the real stuff occurring in the game although it took a while and then the next generation of systems you know 3DO late in its run PlayStation Saturn they utilized the CD medium a lot more and focus more on utilizing the games fully on CD and not relying on full motion uh, video. Uh, 
could do a lot of scaling stuff pretty well, and some of its best games are titles that take advantage of the hardware, take good advantage of it. Uh, Sega CD Library. I'm going to look at some of the notables for it. Uh, there are some very noticeable noticeable uh, games for it. Uh, discontinued around 96, late 95, early 96. Uh, did not improve the color palette. Came in large boxes. Honestly, it's not as bad a system as I think people make it out to be if they give it a chance. So let's take a look at some of the notables. Uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Adventures of Batman and Robin. Afterburner 3. Amazing Spider-Man vs. the Kingpin. Batman Returns, which featured some pretty good scaling for that game. Uh, Battlecore and BC Racers from Core Design. I think Battle... I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a different game. I'll get to that later. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was a completely different game from the Genesis version. Chuck Rock 1 and 2. Cliffhanger. Dark Wizard. Dragon's Lair. Dune. Dungeon Explorer. Earthworm Jim, which contained itself some pretty good extra stuff, as did the Echo the Dolphin games on there. <clears throat> Had a share of ESPN games. Eternal Champions, Challenge from the Dark Side. Fatal Fury. FIFA International Soccer. Final Fight CD, which that was considered one of the great games for the system. Flashback, The Quest for Identity. Ground Zero Texas, that's one of the more notable full motion games. Heart of the Alien, which I believe is an out of this world release. Uh, Hook, based on the movie. Jurassic Park, which was completely different from the Sega Genesis version. Actually, outside of Nintendo stuff, uh, the Sega versions were all different. Keo Flying Squadron. Crisscross, make my video. There was a lot of those early on. Lawnmower Man, Lethal Enforcers 1 and 2. Lords of Thunder, uh, Lunar 1 and 2. Mad Dog McCree, which is one of those American laser type of games. Mansion of Hidden Souls. Mickey Mania. Mortal Kombat got on there. Uh, NBA Jam. NHL 94. Night Trap, which the game was the reason for why there were Senate hearings at the end of 93. Uh, believe... Uh, looking at the footage, it didn't look like anything that... Uh, the government was just being stupid at that point, but the, one of the bright spots is having a rating system, which is why the ESRB's been around for 28 years. Uh, Panic, Pitfall, The Mayan Adventure... Popful Male, Prince of Persia, Pugsy, Radical Rex, Rise of the Dragon, Road Rash, Robo Aleste, Samurai Showdown, Secret of Monkey Island, 
Sewer Shark, Shadow of the Beast 2, uh, Sherlock Holmes 1 and 2, Shining Force CD, Sylphide, Soulfeast, Snatcher, which is one of the biggest exclusives, uh, Sonic CD, Soulstar. If you ever get a look at that game, check it because it does some pretty good scaling. Look at some of the look at some of the gameplay on YouTube. Starblade, Star Wars Rebel Assault, The Terminator, which is a completely different game from the, uh, or at least a redone game for the for the Sega CD. Third World War, uh, Time Gal, Wing Commander. Although I'm wondering if that's different from the other stuff. Wolf Child, Wonder Dog, and uh, WWF Rage in the Cage. There were some other games released at that point. One of them was like the Compton's Interactive Encyclopedia, which I think that got I think that counted as a release. It was like during a weird period. Um, would I recommend a Sega CD though? With the prices they go for now these days, I wouldn't. I think it'd be better if you just got an emulator or one of those uh, mega SD things that allows you to uh, play Sega CD on a uh, Genesis cart. Make things easier. I know there's been some alternatives in recent years for people to play Sega CD without having to get the actual hardware, which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing because that hardware is going to die off at one point, and the hardware for any system pre-PlayStation, it's difficult to gauge whether or not they'll be able to survive another 20 to 30 years. But, yeah. I would definitely recommend looking at some of the titles, though. Uh, 150 games in total for the little more, a little less, whatever it is, for Sega CD, at least here in the States. Probably a little more when you look at it worldwide altogether. I would love to see... Uh, I would love to see some of the games get re-released, though. I would love to... I would love to get my hands on one one day and... But it's kind of like the Dreamcast. It, the system reliability worries me quite a bit. But it's it's a mileage of everything. Uh, but yeah, end this episode on a decent note. Uh, with that, this podcast, as I said before, is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places. Search for Geese and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So, 125 in the books. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself. Take care, everyone.